Hi, it's Trek Tuesday, and today we have another edition, volume number three, of my Trek Chats, where I basically grab interview parts from different episodes and put them together. And you hear all the actors from all the different shows. You'll hear all the different actors from all the different shows talking about an episode or just Star Trek in general. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Let's kick things off with Celia Rose Gooding, doing, in my opinion, an excellent job as Lieutenant Natoya Uhura. The beautiful thing about Trek is that uh, it's found a way to tell very specific stories, but have sort of a uh, a theme that can reach globally, and 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 everyone can can take something away from an episode of Trek at any given moment. Uh, but I would say the the current theme of hope is something that everyone can look forward to. And I think that's why sci-fi is so interesting, but I also think that's why Trek specifically is so interesting because uh, uh, often when we hear stories about the future, we hear apocalypse and doomsday and and just nothing to really look forward to or, or, or to uh, have a reason to believe in humanity. And I think Trek flips it on its head and says not only is humanity uh, uh, essential to where we are now? It is essential to how we get to a brighter and better, more equitable future. And uh, I think Trek's, uh, our Trek Strange New World, it, it does exactly that. It, it shares that no one person, no matter how incredible you are at your job, you still need your community and your community will be behind you to support you when you don't feel as though you can do what you were tasked with doing and will eventually get done. But um, yeah, Star Trek has an incredible way of telling specific stories, but also letting it lend itself to a greater overarching theme of hope and faith and community will be the things that get us to where we want to go. On what her legacy will be after playing Uhura, what she leaves behind, if you will. Uh, As someone who is neither the first nor probably the last to uh, uh, have an opportunity to put a spin on this beloved character, Ufura. Oh, what do I hope I leave? Um, Well, I hope I never leave, but uh, I hope I bring a a widening of of what we believe uh, was always available for this character. I hope that I get to try some new things that may have not been allowed because of the time in which this character was popularized, uh, whether that be in the 60s or even the early 2000s. Um, I I don't know. I hope that uh, uh, people can recognize this character as uh, uh, a part of the legacy that this character is left behind. I hope that people like me. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's, it's the very human things of like, God, I hope I'm doing this right. But you can never know what the right is. And so you have to like sort of let that feeling go and just trust the fact that like, people asked me to be a part of this because they saw something in me that I guess I haven't seen yet. And um, I just hope that 
people trust that this character is in hand in the hands of someone who understands how important it is. Uhura is in very good hands, in my opinion. Let's take a break and more Trek Chats on Trek Tuesday on Sci-Fi Talk. Tim Russ looks back on Star Trek Voyager Endgame. I just recently watched uh, the final episode again, Endgame, and um, man, just the the scenes where Janeway goes to visit him and you just, that was just an amazing portrayal. It just resonates all these years later. It, It was... I'm sure it wasn't easy but uh, to play him in that way, but, man, that was such an amazing scene. Yeah, we had a couple of uh, scenes uh, in in that piece that were, uh, you know, pretty... I mean, I when I, and, but, yeah, when I got the script, I had to figure out what I was going to do as far yeah. as this type of uh, dementia that's affected this character and what the state of his, you know, uh, uh, condition was and how we were going to play that. Uh, because we've never seen it. Uh, yeah. Nobody's ever seen that in, in terms of any prior episodes of, of, of any of the Trek series. Nobody knew what that looked like. So, you know, we worked on how this would affect him and how he would be. And um, and we got uh, we got it to work pretty well. Um, yeah. And I think there was a couple of scenes. I think there was one in Sick Bay or something like that also. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That was some crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had some fun. I remember that I, I, I don't remember a whole lot about, you know, shooting the show. Honestly, at this point, I don't remember. Sure. Even as I watch, if I've watched an episode or seen a piece of it, I can't remember what state of mind I was in at the time. But I do remember those two scenes. I remember the scene in Sick Bay. I remember how we shot it. I remember the process that day of how we were going to shoot it because there was a, I can't remember who was directing at the time, but there was a plan. There was a plan initially to shoot it a certain way. And then we decided um, or suggested, I don't know if it was myself or if it was myself and the DP, uh, Marvin, I think was shooting, he was holding the camera decided not mm-hmm. to, sh- to shoot it a completely different way. We decided to just throw it, he decided to throw it on his shoulder and shoot the whole thing handheld yeah. in one shot. I remember that's that. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly what we did. So we, I remember that day. I, I still remember that day. Uh, it, was a very, it was a very dynamic moment doing it that way rather than the way that he had planned to do it. And, uh, and then the one in the quarters where she comes to visit where he's, you know, scrawling on the floor or whatever it was. Um, yeah. There is also that we shot the way it was planned to be shot. And it was, uh, the, the, those two scenes really uh, rocked back and forth between the way that they, they were, they were filmed and the way that we played them uh, really made a difference. It was, that was, that was an interesting, I guess still remember these, those, those two scenes. And there's a whole bunch of scenes I do not remember because I just, because there were so many and, um, and I've forgotten them by now, but that, but those were those actual days. And yeah. the reason, the reason I had to play it that way, uh, that, and I think the other episode I had to play when the character was blind. So I had to, that's right. I had to do some research on how to, how to play someone that was blind. So it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting little side conversation I had with Michael Dorn. Well, he was writing a Western. So we started riffing on our favorite Westerns. Started, I wrote my Western opus, is what I'm... Oh, cool. Yeah, 
because I'm a big Western guy. I, I'm oh, from yeah. the old days. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know Westerns and I know directors and, you know, the actors and the stories. I mean, everything, you know. So, and I, I really had this, this really good idea and I started to write it. My manager was very uh, encouraging. And so that's what we're doing right now. I, oh, I, excellent. It's, it's, it's Wharf with Spurs. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's nothing. It's, he's nothing like Worf. Oh, like, yeah, of course. But um, but yeah, yeah. So so I'm really you know concentrating on that, and and I would like to do that. And you know, to be honest, all the people that I've met over the last you know 20 years or so are all in the same position. Where there's some people that are producers, some people have ends to producers. They're you know director photographies and a lot of different people that. I think I can bring together for this show. And um, nice. people have already shown interest and they said, hey, look, you know, I'd like to, to help you. And, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But, but I, I, that's, that's my, my main thing. And I want to act, I want to star in it, and I wrote it, and I want to direct it. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I mean, Paramount Plus does need content. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You start a channel, you're going to need a lot of content. That's just not reruns. And, you know, and the funny thing is that I would think that they would, they would leap at a, at a Wharf series um, or, you know, a Wharf movie oh. or something. So, um, so we'll see. But, you know, the, the funny thing about all of this stuff, you got to have an end. You got to have a, somebody you can call yep. at, at Paramount and go, Hey, how you doing, Joe? Hey, Michael, what you got? Well, I got this thing. Oh, man, come on in. Let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's what you need. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. Trek Chats will continue in a moment. So stay tuned. Well, you know, getting back to Westerns, I'm, I grew up watching Westerns. And uh, I mean, that was really the first thing. And then I got into sci-fi as well. But yeah. I... I but, Really, the one Western I keep coming back to, and it's really fairly recent, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, I would, God. It was a, a beautiful movie. Oh, my so, God, yeah. The fact and, that he had to drink to be able to do all those bad things. Just, and, you know, and, and just the, you know, the really wonderful actors. Oh, my God, yeah. Just wonderful. You know, just... It's it, just amazing. You know, I mean, I, I can't say enough about it. And it was really before that there was uh, there really was a, a drought of really good Westerns. You know, you know, people, you know, they they had a, they made efforts at it. Yeah. But nothing like that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm I'm very much, you know, a fan of Clint Eastwood, a fan of of Tarantino, a fan oh, yeah. of um Coppola and, mm. and all these guys. And of course, the old guys, you know, the Fords, the Hawks, the, um, uh, the William Wylers, the, you know, oh, all of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but when I wrote, uh, you know, the, the Western, I didn't, I didn't copy them. That's one thing I didn't do. Mm -hmm. but what I did do was I took a page from, uh, from Quentin Tarantino. And he doesn't really say this. But he's a guy that that did what he wanted to do, you know. Yeah. And write what you want to write. Mm -hmm. You know, don't write what you think somebody else will like. Write what you have 
you know, your experience, basically. Yeah. And, and that's what I did. And that's what I did. I'm really like a self-editor because what I'll do is I'll go, <laughs> like, I'll be writing and I'll go, no, I've seen that before. No, we're going to take that out, you know, or yeah, yeah, no, no. They, I, I, somebody said that before. No, I'm not going to say that, you know. So everything is kind of fresh. And not, uh, For the character in this Western, is he, uh, what, what, what's his weapon of choice? Uh, he has a short gun, a 44 caliber short gun that the Colt company made for him. Oh, I like that. That he carries, that's his little personal gun. And he carries a Henry rifle. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, his, that's his kind of go-to weapon. Mm. You know, depending. Yeah, I love the way Danny Glover wielded that Henry in, uh, mm -hmm. in Silverado, man. That was, yeah. that was so cool. Yeah, I'm not a big gun person, but, no. but somehow in Westerns, it really kind of fits. <laughs> so yeah. you, it's yeah. part of the mythology of it, you know? And, and the thing is, is that, um, you know, I wanted to have a, a gun, but I wanted it to be special, just like, uh, remember, um, Wanted Dead or Alive? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, he's got that weird Winchester thing, you know? Yes. So I wanted something that was distinctive, and I, you had to have something like, and this guy is, is well known enough to where the Colt company would just go, okay, what do you want? Well, I want a big caliber short gun is what it is. Nice. And uh, and he's you know like I said it, it's a it's a very good story I'm really happy with it so we'll see what happens. I'm very happy that season two of Star Trek Prodigy is coming to Netflix, and here are Brett Gray who is Dahl and Ella Purnell who who voices Gwen at the start of the current season. For Dahl, do you think he's kind of getting the hang of command? I mean, he might <laughs> have some. Some, you know, some bumps along the way. But is it easier for him now? Totally. I think he's totally getting the hang of it. I think he's starting to understand, you know, what is important and how to sort of build a plan and utilize uh, his strengths and lean on others for his weaknesses. I think he's learning better to put the needs of the many over the needs of the few. And also, you know, Dal is kind of, you know, snarky and fun and he has his way of doing things. And I think as the crew has gotten used to him and as he's gotten used to himself, um, I think, you know, it's much easier for him to connect to and relate to the other crew members and to sort of like facilitate these plans. Mm -hmm. For Ella, you know, it's, we all have fathers and she obviously has a very complicated relationship with her father. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's it like for her to kind of have one vision of him and then kind of seeing him for what he really is? How is that? How does that affected her? I think that's a, a very astute observation. That's kind of what I've been saying all day. I mean, that's, that's what we all have to do as we move from childhood into adulthood. Right. And, as we get older and as our parents get older, we see them for who they really are, you know, without, yes, that was the end of the sentence. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to get better at like grammar and talking. Uh, anyway, <laughs> for, her, for her, I think it's, it's highly emotional. And 17 is, is a difficult age to be doing that and taking the, on those really big themes. Um, 
had she been doing this alone, I, I think it would have been very difficult. But she has Dal and he takes very good care of her and they have this amazing emotional connection. I think that's one of the points where they really bond is separating where they come from and forging their own identity and their own path aside from that. It, it just gets better. I mean, I mean, the rest of the the rest of the season is a very a, a difficult emotional arc for her. For both of you, quickly, um, <laughs> as far as there's a lot of lessons in this for the younger viewers, Indy. Talk about some of that, please. I think that there's uh, a lot of lessons uh, around um, teamwork and and leaning on each other and the needs of the many outweighing needs of the few and, and coming together in unity. And learning how to know yourself so well that you know where you fit in a team, what you can bring and your strengths and your weaknesses and how to work together to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think any sort of coming of age story is is very heavily rooted in self-discovery. And I think, you know, with all the grandeur and adventure and danger and, and you know, so what and so forth for the show, um, it's really awesome that laced underneath is this whole idea of self-discovery and figuring out who you would like to be in the universe, regardless of your origin, regardless of where you come from or who your parents are or whatever, you can make your own decision. You can find your own tr- crew and tribe and find your own place and that will be enough you know mm. yeah thank you guys love it again and i love thank the you. diversity of the show and we can all learn something from that at any age totally <laughs> all right thank you Take man care. thank you so right. much you too bye-bye you can subscribe to sci-fi talk at apple podcast you can also subscribe to sci-fi talk plus and that's a free lifetime subscription it's available No catches, just click on the link in the show notes. For Trek Tuesday, this is Tony Tolado.